0: Hello, welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe.
1: Hey, Jonathan. How's it going?
0: Not good. It has not yeah. been a good week in the SBC.
1: I don't think anyone can say that it has, no matter what your role you know, in anything is. Well, whether... you know what?
0: Now that I think yeah. about it, I'm going to change my mind. It, it has hey. not been a, a good news week. Let's put it that way. But right. I, I do feel like some ground has been gained this week and some new directions have been set.
1: I, I see what you're saying. And I think, I think where we are is in a moment uh, where I think as a lot of people have said, it's kind of the time for words is over. The time for action is here. And so we are in a moment and I have seen some actions this week. Um, that's only one step. There's a whole yeah. lot more to go. And I have also seen, I would say, um, I would say some things that we've wanted to see for a long time, we're seeing. And then uh, I would also say the response that I have seen across the board from um, just a number of people. And I would really say more down to a lot of the average pastors and uh, church leaders who have been appropriately horrified um, and are ready to take action. So I think we've got you know things are in in a couple of weeks we're going to have to step up and you know decide how we move forward but so there is an opportunity to actually do something but uh so i guess i guess when you say good is a tough word right now um but uh, shell shocked is is a right you know way quite accurate uh, to process how how everyone has been and and i want to say that includes us because while What the report that dropped was 300 pages um, and certainly had a number of stories in there that we've been aware of and uh, some that we've talked about uh, on here at times. Uh, There was actually a lot of things in there that we were not aware of. A lot of things that we were really surprised by and uh, were pretty, uh, I don't know what the word would be, but I was pretty shaken for uh, quite a bit. Shaken's a good word.
0: Shaken's a good word. All right. Well, hey, we'll, we'll jump into it. Going to be a little bit different of a show if you're used to uh, listening to us every week. Uh, things be a little bit different this week, and it's a different week. It's a different news week. So uh, we'll jump into it talking about the report, like you said, 300 pages showing a pattern of resistance to addressing abuse claims at the executive committee.
1: What happened was the sexual abuse task force dropped the report on Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock. They, uh, they did that, I think, to try to make sure that the, there was plenty of time for the rest of the day for people to read it, but also that it was a good time for folks on the West Coast, um, so kind of after worship services and things. The reason that Sunday was there is that the motion had said the report had to be given to the task force by, I think, 30 days before the annual meeting, and then they had a week to release it. So this is just where the date fell. So they set it for Sunday afternoon and they included a sort of a cover letter with it. They gave some of their intentions for the annual meeting, which we'll talk about that later in the show. And then they included the guidepost report, which was really in three parts. It was the report itself, uh, which included the full investigation as well as the audit of the credentials committee. And then it also had some appendices that went with it. So Documentation, things like yeah. that,
0: and as a result, the executive committee met on Tuesday to kind of process through what uh, what came from the report. And one of the big things that they did on Tuesday uh, was releasing a statement that said, "As Southern Baptist Review Guidepost Report and Recommendations of the Sexual Abuse Task Force, the SBC Executive Committee." would like to address statements it has previously made, included but not limited to the September 29, 2006 statement by then-SPC Executive Committee Vice President and General Counsel D. August Bodo, in which he concludes that, quote, "...a continued discourse between us, that being the Executive Committee and survivor advocates, will not be positive or fruitful. The SPC Executive Committee rejects this sentiment in its entirety and seeks to publicly repent for its failure to rectify this position and wholeheartedly listen to survivors." Today, in the immediate aftermath of the report's release, the SBC Executive Committee seeks to make clear that it views engaging with survivors as a critical step toward healing our convention from the scourge of sexual abuse and working to avoid its continued impact on our loved ones, their families, and our network of churches, end quote. So that was the statement released on Tuesday, decrying the 2006 statement made by Augie Bodo. Also in that meeting, they announced, Amy, the creation of a... Survivor care hotline.
1: Yes. So uh, let me talk. We'll talk about the statement for just a second and then we'll talk about the hotline. So the statement, I think, was really important. This really was referenced to a 2006 uh, correspondence with survivor and advocate Krista Brown. And, you know, in that moment, as the in his role as vice president and general counsel, Augie was speaking on behalf of the organization and saying, There's, you know, saying you have an adversarial posture, we don't need to interact anymore. And this was a huge uh, thing for the current executive committee leadership and staff and board, you know, whoever to say, that's not who we're going to be. Um, Now, again, as we've said, this is just the beginning. A statement like this doesn't say, okay, we took care of it. Now let's move on. This is actually saying we're committing to having continued discourse because we believe that that's the way to go. So it was a pretty, uh, pretty strong, strong statement to make, and uh, and I, I I hope that what we're going to see going forward is exactly positive and fruitful. Um, and you also mentioned the hotline. I think the hotline becomes very important because. When survivors come forward, there are a number of pathways that they can that they can choose. But many people do call the executive committee. And one of the things that we saw in the report was that at times when people reached out to the executive committee, they did not uh, receive much from you know whoever they were were reaching out to. Sometimes they didn't get a call back, and that was intentional. Or sometimes they uh, didn't get you know much help at all there was really no pathway or plan for that. Um, in the time that I was at the executive committee, those calls would come in and sometimes they came to me and I did what I could. I would basically, the way that I handled those calls was to say um, let me tell you what my role is. I'll tell you what I am able to do in this phone call. I'll tell you some of the things I'm, I'm not able to do, but I'm going to try to point you in the right direction. And I would listen and then try to get you know get them where they needed to be. But at the same time, there was really no setup for what to do there. And the important thing in setting this hotline up is just as you normally see when reports like this come out or media reports or whatever, typically that empowers people to come forward, either because they feel like it is safe for them to come forward or just because the sheer magnitude of the moment leads them to want to say, Hey, this is really bad, and I'm going to tell you how bad this is. I'm going to come and tell my story, and I think it was uh, it was right to actually say we're going to make a plan to be ready for those calls, and so that's part of this hotline. And so they actually, the executive committee actually did this with Guidepost Solutions, and so Guidepost is handling those calls. And seeking to do so in a trauma informed way.
0: Yeah. And you can reach that survivor care hotline in two ways with phone or email. The phone number is 202 864 5578. That's 202 864 5578. Or you can email SBC hotline at guidepostsolutions.com. That's SBC hotline at guidepostsolutions.com. Now, that's a couple of pieces from the meeting on Tuesday. One other piece was that the executive committee committed to release uh, what was found in the report, uh, what they were calling a a secret list of alleged abusers that had been kept by an executive committee staffer. Uh, This was an unknown list to many on the executive committee, including myself, Uh, staffers. Had no idea it existed and was uh, one of the kind of the bombshells of the report because nobody knew this thing existed. And it was released late Thursday night, includes around 700 names, 205 pages long.
1: That's correct. And some of those names are redacted. And the reason for that is because some of the descriptions included names of survivors. And so essentially, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not you know, involved in this, but instead of editing yes. the list as it was, it was just redacting. So if it included names of survivors who had not come forward publicly, those were redacted because that's, you know, respecting privacy. And then also many of the, the, the situations on this list were ones that had been publicly substantiated or there had been uh, convictions, confessions, you know, whatever. And so those are all able to be released. Ones that were not substantiated in some way like that have been redacted, but uh, work is being done to substantiate what whatever they can. Yeah. Um, and then as that occurs then they will you know be unredacted if if that yes. if that happens yes. so it's instead of waiting until all of that work could be done the decision was made we're going to release it now in a way that is redacted as needed and then we will unredact as we can that's yes. am I understanding that correctly That, that is correct. I just yeah, I just saw that from the meeting. Yeah, and, but. and
0: currently it is not being added to. That's another question people have. Are you adding to it? It is not being added to. This is the list in the form and the fashion that it was received by guidepost from a former executive committee staffer. You can view the list and all the report and everything here at sbc.net slash satf. That's sbc.net slash satf.
1: Right. And that's an important distinction, Jonathan, because we will talk about this at the end when we discuss sort of what is to come next at the meeting. The discussion about future additions or how to handle future things, that's something that the convention is going to have a chance to take up. So, one of the reasons when you say it's not being added to is because that's a discussion as to how these things get handled going forward. This is being released in the interest of saying, this has been kept. It does not need to be secret anymore. And so if we're going to have it, you know, if if we're going to learn that this thing exists, then we need to be transparent about it. So this is being shared um, because that is the right thing to do. And then going forward, we've got ways as a convention to say, here's how we're going to do this for any information that comes our way now.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, uh, that is the kind of the executive committee side of everything that's going on this week. There's a lot more stories, a lot more information. There's reactions from survivors, SBC leaders, people mentioned in the report as well. All of that over at Baptist press, several links in the show notes today, folks please do your diligence, read the report, read the recommendations. Uh, one of the things that we haven't really talked about, but there's a story about this press is recommendations for the credentials committee. Remember the report included an audit of the credentials committee and recommendations to approve that. Be sure to check that out as well. Now, Amy mentioned recommendations coming to Anaheim in the coming days. There will probably be in an announcement by the task force of what their recommendations will be for messengers in Anaheim. So, Keep an eye out for that, Baptist Press, uh, you know all the social channels as well. That information will be coming soon. Please be updated and informed whenever we reach Anaheim on this. So, uh, might even add a special section in the app. I'll have to work on that this week to get all the information for messengers to be able to process right. and make informed decisions in Anaheim.
1: Yep, and and the types of things that they are talking about or have kind of given an overview of is to say. Uh, they're going to recommend an abuse reform implementation task force that can help implement reform initiatives over the next three years, because, uh, some of these t- things will, they will take, uh, they will take time and they have to be done in order. Like let's tackle this first and let's tackle this. And so this is a way of, of taking it seriously talked about evaluating. There are a number of recommendations from guideposts. So beginning to evaluate those, And then also working on a process for a ministry check website. That's kind of what we were just talking about here. Something that takes things like in this list and says, how do we uh, alert the community? this? How do we alert uh, other churches to this so that we can know of credibly accused offenders out there? And then also that task force can work with the credentials committee to help them with their processes. So these things are coming and there will be an opportunity for the messengers, um, which I'm hoping that a lot of people listening, I'm hoping that includes you to come and vote for this. So
0: we mentioned that the, the database was one of the big news items, probably the biggest news item that came out of the report. Uh, really surprised a lot of people was a sexual abuse allegation against former NAM vice president for evangelism, Johnny Hunt. And I say former because NAM put out a statement just minutes after the report went public announcing his resignation from the North American Mission Board.
1: That's right. And that statement indicated that he had actually resigned the week before, but that leaders at Nam did not know what was in the report. They just knew that he said, I'm giving my resignation, but they didn't actually get to know the details or read the report until it came out. So yeah, that was sort of the, I would say these two things, the list and, uh, and this, yeah, and this allegation against Johnny Hunt were the major, major things in this report that kind of shook every everything. And then the report has so many other just pieces and components and stories and that add up to demonstrate some real cultural issues. But when we go specifically to this, there was an allegation of sexual assault that is dated July 25th, 2010. Now, some people may wonder, how does this fit in the scope of the report. That's because it was right after his term as SBC president. And part of the narrative there uh, that in the allegations involved some relation, a relationship that built some patterns uh, in that while he was SBC president, which is at a time when he was an executive committee member. And so some of the the Things in that uh, relationship that came, it sort of culminated in this incident right after the SBC annual meeting. And so that is why it is in the report. It is a significant and uh, crushing allegation that's in there um and i you know most people i think are are aware of it cuz it's sort of the thing if you've read the report most everyone is is uh, talking about it now it was corroborated in part by a counseling minister and three other credible witnesses uh the guidepost also did speak with johnny hunt um and he then denied his, he denied the claims on his twitter account on that sunday Um, He said, I vigorously deny the circumstances and characterizations set forth in the guidepost report. I have never abused anybody, but we have had a lot of, uh, a lot of things that have happened after that. He has resigned from NAM. As we said, there's been response from Woodstock, Uh, Jeremy Morton, senior pastor of First Baptist Woodstock said that no one at Woodstock except Johnny Hunt and the counselor mentioned in the report knew about it prior to the report. And so the church is, is beginning to process that.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that they didn't know about it at the church. In Dr. Ezel's statement from the North American Mission Board, they also confirmed that they were unaware of these allegations or this incident until it was uh, brought forth in the report. And so also Southeastern gave a statement later in the week in which they took action to remove Johnny Hunt's name from buildings, programs, facilities, and other items. Uh, they also... In doing so, announced that they will request from trustees to remove Paige Patterson's name from Patterson Hall. So uh, Dr. Aiken explained that since the trustees had named it for Dr. Patterson and there's some donor um, intent letters for that, that the trustees needed to be the ones to finalize that this fall. So he intends to ask them at the seminary's board meeting this October to change the name of Patterson Hall. So a uh, double announcement there from Southeastern in the wake of uh, the report coming out. Uh, you may wonder what the connection for Dr. Patterson to the report was. He was alleged to have mishandled rape accusations during his tenure as president at Southeastern, as well as in the same role at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. So uh, Dr. Aiken responded saying that the report led him to the conclusion that he'd already been weighing for some time, that he does not believe it's proper to leave the Patterson name associated with that building. So that's kind of the fallout of the Johnny Hunt piece of the report.
1: Yeah, and I I would expect that as we have seen, With similar stories in the past with significant leaders, the fallout is not, uh, it it usually takes a while, quite a reverberation. And so I think we'll be dealing, we'll be processing and dealing with this for some time.
0: Absolutely, Amy. And this will be the discussion for the next three weeks heading into Anaheim, and I'm sure far beyond our gathering in Southern California. All right, Amy, more heartbreaking news this week from Texas. Texas. Though uh, related to a school shooting that took the lives of 18 school children and three adults uh, just west of San Antonio and Uvalde, Texas, at Robb Elementary School.
1: Yeah, I don't even know where to begin in responding to this, Jonathan. This is one of the worst. It's one of the worst things um, I have ever seen in, in the news. We've dealt with lots of school shootings in recent years. Um, but nothing quite like this just the sheer magnitude of it the age of the children the things that the teachers did to sort of put their lives on the line to sacrifice for the children and then even as we begin to process the aftermath and the difficulty of knowing what happened and what went wrong in response and and things like that i just i don't even know where to start Um, this is a, this is a very, very tough thing for the community in Texas, but also just for everyone to process. And we do have churches from both SBTC and Texas Baptists who are ministering. They've been on the scene. They've been there in the community. I know there are some connections. I heard that maybe there was a, a, a Texas Baptist pastor, uh, who's a grandfather of one of the victims and so um i don't i how do you even begin to talk about this i don't know there are not words
0: yeah And, and both the southern baptist of texas convention and the baptist general convention of texas have been responding like you said uh in the city there and and just trying to do what they can to help out uh in the area so our prayers are with them in just what is a horrific horrific scene In Central Texas, a couple of more news notes here, Amy, Uh, just a a couple of things to hit real quick. Uh, Will Mancini has resigned from Future Church, uh, the organization that he started recently, and NAM has terminated that agreement with Future Church and uh, due to the moral failing of Will Mancini. Also, a former Illinois pastor was arrested on a grooming charge. Again, Baptist Press reporting on these. Keith D. Green, uh, which was a former pastor in Illinois, uh, was arrested on a single charge of grooming. Uh, The details of that are in the story from the Illinois Baptist State Association. And also, Amy, a couple of people on the move. First, the Cummings, Nathan Jernigan, is joining Level College down in New Orleans. Uh, Nathan is going to come on to lead the Bachelor of Arts in Worship Ministry as well as the Bachelor of Arts in Music programs at the college. He comes to them from Northbrook Baptist Church in Coleman, Alabama. I think I know the pastor there. I think that's Keith Warden's church up there in Coleman, Alabama. I think that's the one he's at there in Coleman. So congratulations to uh, Nathan Jernigan and then also Matt Hall. A good friend of the pod is headed out west, Amy, to be the senior vice president at
1: Biola University. Yeah, Matt has been at Southern Seminary for years and years, most recently as provost for the last several years. And uh, he's actually from California, so headed home to the west. So,
0: Well, hey, what was funny, I didn't realize people don't know what Biola stands for. We were talking about this the other day at the office, and several people there did not know that Biola stands for the Bible Institute of Los Angeles.
1: Uh, well, several would include me. Oh, what? I didn't know You're that until so you just said it. So,
0: holy cow. All right. Well, there you go. Learn something new every day. That's here right. On the pod, so, all right. Well, hey, Amy, that's going to do it for our
1: news this week. Yeah. And one of the things I decided this week is normally I have my. Special segment, but I just decided to take a break this week because I think we have enough um, history for the week, and uh, I think I think it's something that we just need to all kind of sit in. And I do want to recommend you are going to have a lot of show notes that you're going to drop in, and so as our listeners are out there, if you read one story from Baptist Press, it needs to be the one uh, where survivors respond to. Uh, the SBC executive committee statement. And the reason why is because uh, for years and years, survivors have not had a voice in that space. And so because uh, that's, that's an important moment and because they were asked their thoughts on on things, Diana Chandler did this story because survivors were asked to speak, we need to listen. And so I just want to encourage those of you out there. If you can't look at every one of the stories, that's fine. If you look at one, go to that one, because that, uh, if we're going to say that we believe further discourse is needed and fruitful, uh, then we have to be willing to step in and engage. So I really want to encourage people to read that.
0: All right, Amy. Uh, So that's going to bring us to our resources of the week, your resource of the week. I think you're doing both of them. I'm just gonna let you do both. How about you got two of them? Just take, I
1: do have two. I do have two. So one is Krista Brown, uh, who is a survivor that is figures prominently in the report. Um, She wrote a book called this little light beyond a Baptist preacher predator and his gang. Uh, Much of her story is laid out in the report, but this is a book that she wrote. Uh, I read this book in August of 2018 and it uh, made a significant difference in how I approach this issue as a Southern Baptist. And so I highly recommend anyone to read that book. Um, and Same to
0: I think I read it in late 2019, early 2020. Yeah. And uh, you turned me on to it. So I read it. And it's one of those that it's a quick read. It's a real, I mean, she did a great job writing it, by the right. way. Right. But it's so heavy that you right. know, they had to put it down, walk away, and come back to it at times. Because it just, it's so heavy, the, uh, the the toll that was inflicted on her.
1: Right. And I tried to do a lot when I came to the executive committee to get to recommend this book to a lot of people there. And to, you know, uh, anytime I could, I shared this uh, with people. Uh, but I don't know that I've ever done it here on this podcast. And so I want to put that out there for our listeners. Please, uh, please, if you have not read that, do that. And then I also want to, to suggest as well as people are thinking about, there are so many things out there when it comes to doing things at your churches. We've shared resources through the years. I may have even shared this one before, but I'm going to do it again. Um, So certainly do things like a church that cares well, things like that, but uh, redeeming power by Diane Langberg, understanding authority and abuse in the church, I think is an excellent resource for kind of getting big picture what's going on how do how do we end up having a culture that where these types of, of things can thrive because I think we can set up policies and procedures we can say here are our systems but if we don't begin to choose to to have a different kind of culture uh, and and those things go beyond just a checklist of what to do if we don't start looking at how we, uh, how we do things, um, and how we consider people then, uh, then we're, we're not going to get anywhere. And so I think that resource from Diane Langberg is huge and is a great one. There's a ton of others as well, but those were the two that I wanted to bring today.
0: Those are both great resources, Amy. Thanks for recommending those. And I think that's going to do it for maybe one of the heaviest episodes we've had here on the podcast. Um, A lot to reflect on, a lot to read, and uh, a lot to prepare for.
1: Yep. I think the last episode that we did that was as tough as this one.
0: February of 2019.
1: February of 2019. And so I think uh, the work of Rob Downen and John Tedesco uh, were significant in opening people's eyes. And so-
0: Well, I think that set us on the path that we're on here. Uh, yep. That report set us on a path that culminated this week, I think. and uh, and will continue us moving forward. So all right. Well, Amy, thanks for being here this week. See you next week.
1: See you next week.